Welcome back to another Narrative Watch. How's it going, everyone? Happy Monday, happy September, happy almost fall. Uh, so today, I wanna look at an interesting phenomenon that I've been kind of tracking for the last week or so, which is that it seems to me, uh, and admittedly, this could just be a particular filter bubble I have, that there's a weird contrast between, on the one hand, things going pretty well, right? Bitcoin hovering around 10,000 and holding strong at 10,000 for you know weeks on end, uh, backed warehousing open in anticipation of their futures a couple weeks from now, um, and all these things, there's still this sense of kind of gloominess or uh, churger or like it, it's not um, excited, it's not vibrant, right? It doesn't feel like this fall explosion, back to school, back to work and all this sort of stuff. It just kind of feels static. I'm trying to figure out why that is. Uh, and I asked folks last week uh, for their answers to this and got a ton of great responses. So I wanna kinda go through three possibilities. So possibility one is simple impatience. So a lot of folks, so I asked, as you can see here, what's your best explanation for why, despite BTC sticking strongly at 3X cycle lows, everyone is acting so goddamn gloomy? Uh, so a lot of the answers had to do with time preference had to do with simple impatience, right? So Vortex says simply time preference, right? Indicating that people are just looking at it on the wrong time scale, that they're frustrated that things aren't moving faster, uh, but it's it's really about um, the people, not, not the assets, uh, in particular, not Bitcoin. Uh, you had other folks who said something like this, right? Impatience for the rest of the world to understand the value proposition and thus orange coin go up uh, with a gif of a, of a Simpson saying, hurry up. Um, so you kind of have, uh, you had a lot of this different tone, this different tenor. Um, you also had, I thought this comment was great from David Levine. Uh, he says, we are in the transition from BTC as a globally day traded video game to BTC as an institutional asset class. This part is more boring, but a hell of a lot more bullish in the long run. Hashtag 50K. So this is an argument that basically just like, there's going to necessarily be uh, this in-between period where what you know what drove things before was this explosion of retail interest and kind of this casino game aspect of it and ICOs accentuated that, uh, but that we're now moving into something that's much more, um, much stronger, has a much stronger underlying basis as it integrates with existing uh, institutions, as it kind of carves out its own path as a new asset class, um, and that this part is necessarily going to have some amount of uh, just simple boringness, right? This is a lot of process, a lot of cogs that need to move into place for this to work. Um, and that might be the case, right? That may be why something like the, you know, a backed uh, launching its warehousing in anticipation of futures doesn't get everyone stoked is that it's just such a, a process detail that for the average retail investor, the average person excited about this industry, uh, it's just not doing that much. So that's possibility one. Now let's talk about possibility two. So possibility two is um, the decoupling of uh, alts and Bitcoin. And so this is something that I saw a lot in that thread too, right? So you see uh, this Doran says, everyone is long alts with a sad emoji face. Um, and Dovi kind of uh, captured this as well. She said, liquidity is so, so bad now, especially for non-Bitcoin trades. Many alts hit 12-month low liquidity, which reminds me of 1516, actually. The Bitcoin bull on top disguised the altcoin bear underneath very well. So this is, a, I thought this was a really interesting statement, right? So when Bitcoin started to break out in April, May of this year, going from 3,500 to 6,000 up to 10,000 and then almost all the way up to 14,000 before settling in this range of 10,000 where it's 
been for a while. Um, a lot of people waited for uh, the rest of the, the assets to follow suit, right? For everything to move in correlation, for all those kind of underwater ICO coins that they had to suddenly pop. And um, that just hasn't happened, right? It's been, uh, you know, an extensive part of conversation that there just hasn't been an alt season. And will there be another alt season? And what will it look like? And even if it comes back, will it be these same assets? Or will it be some new set of assets? And I think that the way that Dovi captured this, the Bitcoin bull on top, this guy's the altcoin bear underneath, um, is right on, right? I, I think that it's, it strikes me as, uh, as a real question about whether this set of assets, at least, ever is likely to pop back up. Now, there may be some coins that actually break out on the basis of their strength uh, and usage or just different new memes and narratives that come around them, but the market as a whole, we'll have to see. Um, and in fact, it's, it's kind of that that was part of the topic of, I think, one of the other posts from last week that really had this uh, this narrative of kind of the fall blues um, on display. So uh, Meltem shared Fred Wilson's post. Fred Wilson is the Union Square Ventures partner. Uh, and he wrote some thoughts on crypto, which I'll get into in a minute. But the way that Meltem summed it up is that it feels like we're in the trough of despair at the moment. I've been thinking a lot about uh, the long way out and how important the next 12 to 18 months will be. So what was Fred Wilson's post? Uh, he wrote a few different things. Um, so first he wrote that uh, Bitcoin is the one protocol that has found lasting product market fit, right, as digital gold, effectively. Um, he wrote that... Uh, Ethereum is confounding to him. And this is kind of the part that I want to uh, hone in on. He feels like, so Fred Wilson is a Ethereum bull historically, but he's also been publicly critical about the way that it's been run. And many people have pointed out in comments on Twitter, on, uh, you know, just in the conversation that what he's living through is the difference between a protocol as a network, uh, as this uncontrollable force that needs to be coordinated as a network is coordinated versus a startup versus a company that can be operationally efficient and operationally excellent. Um, and in his opinion, it's kind of squandering its lead. Now, if you bounce down to uh, reasons to be disappointed, uh, he talks explicitly about both the kind of what he perceives as regulatory antagonism in the US, but he also talks about how um, crypto just has not gone mainstream. Uh, very few people using dApps, right? Which has been a, a common, common refrain. Now, within that, I think that some people would argue that there are bright spots. Um, the two most interesting probably being one, uh, the rise of decentralized finance and the amount of you know, kind of US dollars locked in these collateralized loan products and all these sort of things. Um, and then two, there are interesting inklings around some of the gaming and gambling space uh, with dApps, but certainly nothing enough to, to kind of break out of this uh, idea of potentially a frustration. Now, I think that one thing that's really important here to discuss this uh, mood is that I do believe that the fact that so many people have kind of these bags of these old ICO coins is bringing the mood down, the fact that they just don't seem to rally. It may be that we're seeing a successive phase of people accepting that some set of the things and projects that they were believed in are, are simply not going to recover. Um, rightly or wrongly, by the way, we could all be wrong and it could be still just another casino game right around the corner because there's a new pool of uh, retail investors that we, we haven't hit yet that somehow get excited. But it does feel to me to some extent that there is some amount of that going on where uh, people who aren't necessarily or haven't historically been just focused on Bitcoin are uh, dealing with a little bit of disappointment around the assets and the projects that they had invested in. Um, I think uh, it's important to point out that within the context of the Ethereum community, um, 
the the biggest pushback I've had around this gloom has actually been from two sides uh, or this idea of gloom at a fundamental level. One is Bitcoiners who have been through a lot of cycles who are like, it's just part of it. Um, and the second is from people who are in the Ethereum community who are really just not stressed about this and think it's more of a phenomenon on Twitter. Maybe it's more of a phenomenon with the crypto trader class than with builders because they're going to DevCon, they're going to you know ETH global meetups and things are just being built and they're excited about them. Uh, and for them, they're, they're as invested as ever. So important um, points of contrast. But before we go, I do wanna talk about a third possibility, which I think is uh, worth noting about why there is this disconnect between things that seem to be going well and things that are not so, uh, an attitude that is not so positive. Um, and so uh, Yang Ventures, in, in response to my uh, post, wrote, because Bitcoin was mostly optimistic at 6K to 7K last year, and many of us got smoked. That's kind of the price point. Uh, but this is the one that I thought was more interesting. The global recession will force a lot of strong hands to sell, to pay the bills, make rent. Many people on Bitcoin Twitter don't have enough non-BTC assets or skills to be immune from a deep recession. I'll hold aside the, uh, <laughs> the accusation that they don't have enough skills. Um, however, I do think that one of the, the things that has been clear this year, this summer in particular, is that the Overton window um, on the conversation around the US dollar's place as the global reserve currency has expanded dramatically thanks to the presence of Libra. So uh, Travis Kling, he tweeted out this chart. Um, we have thousands of years of history on world reserve currencies. They all have shelf lives. They all have multi-decade lead-in periods. Given the technology now available, having the next world reserve currency be non-sovereign makes total logical sense. Um, so let's actually take, a, take stock of what's happened here. We've lived under the kind of U.S. dollar uh, reserve paradigm for like 75 years since Bretton Woods, you know, and and uh, that has shaped the way that the economy, uh, the global economy, has developed. Now, and not for the first time, but certainly with a much larger voice, people are actively questioning whether that's the case, right? So Libra is the most obvious example, but Libra uh, lit a fire under the butts of all of the researchers at the People's Bank of China who have been working on China's own digital currency since 2014. Um, a new report out of Coindesk last week showed just how aggressively those efforts have picked up, uh, just how, how urgent this is to them, right? China sees Libra as a major threat. They want to get this digital currency out that is an actual version of digital fiat, not just a Alipay or WeChat or something like that, right? Um, they want to beat Libra at its own game, and they're actually talking about it as such. They're actually going out and, and making statements as about how they compare to Libra. Um, this is exemplified by, uh, so Michael Castillo found or noticed this um, basically uh, an ad paid for by the People's Republic of China in the Telegraph UK about its digital currency, kind of repeating the party lines, seeing the articles that we said. So they're spending advertising in major Western papers to promote the idea of their digital currency. Um, <clears throat> so the, the point of all of this is that this is a conversation that has expanded dramatically. And I think that to some extent, part of what people may be feeling is that um, there's this big underlying question about what happens to Bitcoin as all this happens, right? It seems so far from the initial response to Libra and things like that, that Bitcoin once again is kind of almost skirting under the radar a little bit, that people are 
putting it comfortably in that digital gold column, which is something that they can wrap their heads around. They don't have to worry about. And this is when I say they, I mean uh, global regulators and in particular U.S. regulators. Um, however, uh, the, there is a real question about one, how Bitcoin performs in a recession and two, um, what happens if those state level actors actually start to get particularly antagonistic towards Bitcoin? And so uh, I want to leave you with this piece by Nick Carter, um, A Most Peaceful Revolution uh, is probably the most viral piece of the week. And um, really what it does, in my estimation, is it lays out uh, what Nick believes are kind of the core stakes of Bitcoin um, and the cryptocurrency asset class as a whole. So uh, this quote I thought was notable. Cryptocurrency, despite the earnest protest of some of its lily-livered adherents, got a flair for that language, Nick, remains manifestly independent and ultimately hostile to the state. It cannot be regulated, captured, or rendered compliant. So basically, the point that he is making here is that this is an inherently um, anti-state technology, or at least it, it undermines the power of the state by competing with that power in an open market in the in in the first time ever, right? Um, Nick goes on to talk about uh, what it does vis-a-vis currency controls and countries that, uh, you know, deal with currency controls. He goes on to write uh, and kind of reference people who have written about what it means in terms of uh, property rights. Um, and he writes that basically that this is uh, extremely high stakes. So he says, because of the extremely high stakes, reinventing a monetary system is a profoundly unpleasant task. It takes a rational zeal and an unwavering commitment to a firm vision of the future. And then this is the quote that I saw um, shared most often. The great sin of altcoiners is not that they backed the wrong horse, but that they did so with insufficient conviction. They sold a dream that they themselves did not believe. Um, and I actually saw uh, Nick, um, here, I'm going to go to my profile because I retweeted it. Uh, Nick actually clarified or, or expanded that statement a little and basically said that the point that he was making uh, wasn't just... Um, wasn't just that he to, to dismiss altcoins in general. So here he says, the piece should be taken as more as a challenge to altcoins rather than dismissing them entirely. I'm basically saying these are the stakes. Now get your head in the game. So I think the point here, and this is the note that I'll leave you on, is that um, I believe that over the last few months, the recognition of what the implications of cryptocurrency and Bitcoin are has ratcheted up. And we've, because of the new presence of Libra and because of the, the forces that that has unleashed, um, we are playing a different game even than it felt like just, uh, you know, six months ago, nine months ago, 12 months ago. Now, underlying, of course, maybe the game has always been being played the same way, but to some extent, it matters what the players uh, in the mainstream think they're playing and what the game is. And when this is just all an interesting uh, new set of technologies and you can fit it comfortably kind of alongside your venture capital perspective or whatever, that's one thing. Um, when it becomes digital gold even, or, or you know, a competition for just a kind of a, a store of value that's an interesting digital asset, that's another thing. Um, when it becomes an actual challenge to the ability of governments to print money, that's another thing entirely. And so I don't know if this is what's going on. It's far more likely that we're just bored. It's far more likely that some people who, uh, you know, wish that alts were coming back just are bummed out now that they seem not to be. Um, however, I think that it's important to put this uh, 
kind of strange malaise in the context of what I believe is a major shift in how people are understanding the stakes of the game that we're playing. So with that, I'll leave you. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Uh, thanks for those of you who are watching. Thanks for those of you who are listening. Um, cheers to Masari for getting this out to their list and putting it on. And I will be back next Monday. Peace, guys.